Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Unfair. It's your favorite solo host, Jimmy. You could have been doing anything else in the world, but you chose to listen to us, and we appreciate that. It's solo weekend, so I will take the wheel myself to navigate you through the sports landscape of the hottest topics, some late-breaking news, some things that make no sense, Frozen 5, and a few things that might surprise you. And as always, you can catch us on WMQG Radio, Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern. My solo weekend episode is sponsored by Clutch Culture, as always. In life, there are moments when you are needed the most in clutch culture. It's always inspiring to bring you just that. With hats and t-shirts available to remind folks who's clutch and who isn't, you can always bring that culture into your lifestyle by checking out their website, www.clutch-culture.com. You know, I have a good buddy of mine uh, named Phil. He's a longtime Giants fan. And as you know, as any Giants fan knows, uh, you all have been struggling, struggling quite a lot since the last time you won the Super Bowl, which feels like like 20 years ago, even though it wasn't that long ago. And if you needed any evidence about what this season is about to be like for you, then you need look no further than what you saw last night and some of the most entertaining bad football that we've seen in a long time on Thursday Night Football where you had the Giants against the Washington football team and the Giants just in a crushing defeat go down 30-29 to on a field goal by Dustin Hopkins after he missed the first field goal, but Dexter Lawrence somehow on the team went offside to giving him a second chance to get it right and push it two feet to the left to get it through the crossbars. Not to mention that Taylor Heineke, the backup quarterback in his third start for Washington for uh, injured Ryan Fitzpatrick, he managed to somehow complete over 70% of his passes and throw for 336 yards and two touchdowns in the defeat of the Giants. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, and that's not even really what I'm talking about when it comes to why this team is going to be in a very difficult spot all year, it was really this. During the game, and this was in the crucial moments of the fourth quarter, where wins become losses, losses become wins, and on the sideline, their star wideout, who they got in free agency, paid a ton of money to, Kenny Galladay, coming over from Detroit, was seen yelling at Daniel Jones, quarterback of the Giants, on the sidelines. Now, whenever you see a wide receiver yelling at a quarterback on the sidelines, it's only about one thing. It's never about we should run the ball more. It's never about the defense isn't holding their weight. It's always about feed me the ball. I need more targets. And we know that that's exactly what this was. And two games in to his tenure as a member of the New York Giants, Kenny Galladay, for some reason, is already acting like T.O., as if the eight targets he got in this game, more than what he got in the previous game, wasn't enough. 
that right there told me that this is about to be a bad year for New York, despite the fact that they're already 0-2, which gives them a 12% chance of going to the playoffs. But it's this. We know that the Giants will only go as far as Daniel Jones can take them. So when you think about all that Daniel Jones is facing now because of how these, what, last three seasons or four seasons that he's had with the New York Giants have been, because you look at all the losses, it's just like they're spamming losses year after year after year, can't find a way to win with him as a quarterback. You look at his issues, protecting the football, where he's just a turnover machine, fumbling, throwing interceptions. He's trying to deal with all that, and he's trying to keep his job. I mean, say what you want, but being the quarterback of the New York Giants is one of the best that's one of the best jobs in football because of the market, because of the historic brand, because of it being a classy organization, the winning pedigree that is generally associated with this team. And they're usually able to get free agents on this team. So that's one of the jobs that are highly coveted when it comes to quarterbacks. And he wants to keep his job. We know that. So now on top of all of that, he's got to worry about feeding Kenny Galladay, who's not ever even been in the same class or been called a top 15 wide out, but he's got a top 15 diva personality, apparently. And I think that part of the reason why he was yelling at Danny Dimes in this game, despite the fact that he felt like he wasn't getting enough targets or targets in the crucial moments of the game, was the fact that he only got six targets the last game that they played where they got just destroyed by the Denver Broncos. He got six targets in that game. So he's trending in the right direction in the sense that he got six targets in the first game and then eight targets in this game that they just played last night. But what's difficult for him and a big part of the reason why that's not enough is that he's watching in this game. He's watching Terry McLaurin just eat up the Giants secondary, getting 14 targets, catching 11 of them and a touchdown, as well as Kenny Galladay's own teammate, Sterling Shepard, who for some reason somehow looks like the best receiver on that team, getting his 10 targets and catching nine of them. And for the second straight game, being the best wide receiver on that team, out targeting Kenny Galladay for a second straight game. So, to me, the biggest problem that you always have with high-dollar diva wide receivers with an injury history is that they're, they always present recipes for destroying the psyches of young quarterbacks because they're always trying to put this pressure on them to give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. It's never enough. 20 targets is never enough for this type of receiver, and that always leads to losing football games because trying to overfeed a wide receiver who a lot of the times isn't open or isn't taking advantage of those uh, possibilities or those opportunities is leaving other chances, is leaving other yards, other first downs, and other points on the field. So that's one of the worst things you can do. And this is a big part of the reason why I respect Dak Prescott so much because the second he became the starting quarterback in the face of the franchise of the Dallas Cowboys, one of the things that he said when it came to Dez Bryant, another diva wide receiver who wants 25 targets a game, is that he's not going to force him the ball. If he's open and if that's a part of his progression and a part of the play, then he will get him the ball. If not, don't bother me. And Dallas recognized that very soon, which is why it didn't take them too long to get him out of Dallas because they knew what type of effect this kind of wide receiver has on a quarterback, has on a young quarterback. Now, with a veteran quarterback, that stuff doesn't fly because a veteran quarterback usually has been in the game long enough, they've won enough, they've made enough money, and they don't have to listen to that. But young quarterbacks often feel like they do. This is a part of the reason why OBJ with Baker Mayfield, despite OBJ's injuries, just really hasn't taken off the way that you thought it would, given how OBJ looked in New York with Eli Manning, whose arm is not as strong or as accurate as Baker Mayfield, but he hasn't taken off of Baker Mayfield. is because of the effect, just that that toxicity that's always in the air a lot of times when you have these highly vocal 
diva wide receivers who are willing to yell at you on the sidelines in a nationally televised primetime game, which is what Kenny Galladay did. So looking at the, uh, the rest of the season for the Giants, their next game is against the Falcons, who people have already given up on after their um, attempt to play football, which is what it looked like, just an attempt against the Eagles and got destroyed by them in week one. Um, people expect for the Giants to beat the Falcons, who are about to get beat by the Buccaneers. But after that, if you look at the Giants' schedule, there's not a team on there that they are better than, which means that they're looking at a 2-14 and 14 team. So if they go 2-14, and 14, you know what that means? That means Jones, out. That means the GM, Gettleman, out. That means Judge, you've been found guilty. Head coach, you're out. In comes Spencer Rattler and whoever they can get to coach that team. But just that one thing alone, Kenny Galladay yelling at Daniel Jones like that in the crucial moments of the game where he needs to have his head together, Daniel Jones, and he needs to be focused on the next play is a huge part of the recipe for what is about to become the disaster of the New York Giants team who are about to become the least team in the NFC least. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we do this every week during the NFL season, the Frozen 5 Best NFL Picks. I'm going to give you today, week two is mine. We went three and two last week. Jay did a phenomenal job giving us a winning week in the first week of the NFL season. I look to keep that going by going 5-0. and oh, I've got some picks I feel really, really good about. So without further ado, this is this week's Frozen 5, week two. But first, we have the Saints at the Panthers. The Saints are a minus three-point favorite. And I'm going to take the Panthers plus the three points. This is a team I've been high on even before the season with that young defense that I knew was going to be better than what people thought, and they showed it in week one. Um, I love getting three points at home. I'm always looking at games that give me points at home. And the Panthers, I like how they are against the spread. They're 8-3 and three versus the spread as underdogs in their last 11. And I've been telling you, they're better than people think. You get Sam Darnold, which is an upgrade over the quarterback they had last year, Teddy Bridgewater, who's good, but Darnold is better. You get C-Mac back. He looked good in the first game, catching 15 passes like he always does. And you have a young, hungry defense that people don't see coming because their stars haven't emerged yet, but they will. So let's be honest. Let's be honest. The Saints are not as good as they showed last week. They are not 38. They are not 35 points better than the Packers. So this is a come-down-the-earth type game. And... The problem, the biggest problem with the Saints is that they're going to be down three defensive starters as well as maybe their top corner, who they just paid, Marshawn Lattimore, who just had thumb surgery for some reason. And on top of that, they're down seven offensive coaches due to COVID protocol. So this team, there's a lot going on, a lot of distractions that are nobody's fault. These things happen, but that are going to affect how they play in this game. You have C-Mac versus Alvin Kamara. That's a wash. So I look for the, despite all that, <laughs> just because of the Sean Payton factor for the Saints to still win this game, but they're going to win it 26-24, to and the Panthers cover with the plus three. Up next, we have the Bills at the Dolphins. The Bills are a minus three-and-a-half point favorite, and I'm going to take the Dolphins plus the three-and-a-half. 
Um, I don't like the Bills' run game. And in a game against a team with a defense like the Dolphins, you need a steady run game. And their run game is just too inconsistent. I think Zach Moss was hurt last week. Devin Singletary, kind of an undersized back. He's decent, but not good enough to be a huge factor in this game against the Dolphins. Uh, and Miami, just in general, is good against the run anyway. At home versus the spread in their last eight, Miami is 7-1. and one, So I got that working for me. And with Miami, just overall, I get the better defense. I get the better coach, and I get the better run game. All obviously huge factors when it comes to controlling time of possession and ultimately winning ball games. And I think Josh Allen, even though he had an MVP season last year, got a little bit exposed versus the Steelers. He looked good, but not great. And I look for that to continue again this week with a defense that's one of the better defenses in the NFL. The Dolphins win an ugly game, 24-20, to 20, not even needing the three and a half. Up next, we've got the Raiders at the Steelers. The Steelers are a minus five and a half point favorite. And I'm going to take the Steelers minus the five and a half. Um, what do we know about the Steelers? We know that Big Ben at home is a much better quarterback. And the Raiders, I think they're going to fall back down to earth. They probably shouldn't have won that game that they won in overtime Monday night against the Ravens. It was a thrilling game, but they're going to come back down to earth as well. Derek Carr is not throwing for three, 435 passing yards. Every game, they're not going to be able to give Darren Waller 20 targets. That's just not going to happen. And this is another game where you have a team going from the West Coast to the East Coast, giving them a 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. biological start, which is what the Raiders are going to have. So they're probably going to start slow in their run game. It's not going to be good. They're already going to be down Josh Jacobs with ankle and toe injuries. But even in the game against the Ravens, he only got off 34 rushing yards, even though he had two touchdowns, but they were short touchdowns, so he didn't look that good anyway. I think Carr is going to be under a little bit too much pressure from that Steelers defensive line and the newly minted T.J. Watt is just making an insane amount of money. So I think the Steelers are going to win this game comfortably, 27-20, to 20, uh, covering that 5.5. Up next, we have the Vikings at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a minus three and a half point favorite. And I'm going to take the Cardinals minus a three and a half. I think this is the gimme game of the week. And usually there is one where it's just so obvious the team is going to cover and cover comfortably that you need to take that bet. Uh, Minnesota hasn't covered in seven straight games. Seven straight games, they have not covered the spread. And the Cards have covered three of the last four. Uh, Minnesota, that offensive line, I'm sorry, they've got no answer. They're going to have no answer for Chandler Jones off of a five-sack performance. And then if he doesn't get you, J.J. Watt's going to get you on the other side of that. And he's got a whole lot left in the tank. I think the Cards are going to be the surprise team of the NFC. There's always a team, just like the Bills were last year, that makes it to a conference championship in the playoffs that you really don't see coming. But in hindsight, you should have seen it coming. So with that performance that we got last week from the Cardinals, I'm telling you, this is that team. Jay was there himself. He can tell you. This is the team to emerge in the NFC. So the... When you look at the quarterbacks, obviously you take Kyler Murray over Kirk Cousins. Kirk is going to come up with just an interception or a fumble at the absolute wrong time in the second half of this game, and that's going to help the Cards to solidify a 31-23 to victory, easily covering the three-and-a-half. Lastly, we've got the Broncos at the Jags. The Broncos are a minus six-point favorite, and I'm going to take the Broncos minus the six. That doesn't bother me because I know the Jags are a bad team right now. They're going to be bad this season, next season, and probably the season after that before they really get going. Will Urban Meyer be there? Hell, who knows? He's got one foot in USC, one foot in Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville, the biggest problem with them is they have no defensive threats. 
And Trevor Lawrence, because of that Denver Broncos defense that is back and coached by Vic Fangio, who just knows every scheme in the book to confuse young quarterbacks and force them into bad positions, um, he's going to be forced into turnovers. He threw three interceptions last week just against the Texans, and he's facing a much better defense than what they have and a much better defensive coach. So he's going to turn the ball over. And Teddy Bridgewater, steady Teddy, for his career. He's 36-13-1 versus the spread. So when you bet on Teddy, you usually reap the benefits. The Jags, they have lost 11 straight games going back to last season. And during that stretch are 4-7 and seven versus the spread and haven't covered the last four games. Whereas the Broncos usually do a much better job of covering the spread. And they're going to cover the spread a lot this season because of Teddy Bridgewater. He's not going to put them in positions to beat themselves. Um, it's going to be a little bit closer than you think because I think Trevor Lawrence is that good. And he's got good wide receivers. But the Broncos are ultimately going to win this game 24-17. to They're going to get a 17 about a seven-point lead, I would say, in about the third quarter, and they're just going to coast and hold on to that lead. The defense is not going to let Jacksonville move the ball, and they're going to cover the minus six. Bonus picks, real quick. Uh, take a good, strong look at the Chiefs minus three-and-a-half on Sunday night football in Baltimore. Uh, Mahomes is 3-0 and versus Lamar, and Lamar, look, he struggles to pass the ball against his Chiefs team, about 170 yards per game against the Chiefs. And if you want to compete with them, you know you have to throw the ball. You know your quarterback's got to throw for at least 330 yards to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to do that. And that run game has issues with all the injuries that they've had. And when you have a bunch of young guys or guys like Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell trying to work themselves into the system, there's a lot of the playbook you're not going to be able to use when they're on the field. So take a good, strong look at Chiefs minus 3.5 and, and now, this is going to be one of my top five, but I took them out. But check this out. The Titans plus five and a half in Seattle. Um, I think this is a must-win game for the Titans, or they at least have to show up and show that they're still for real. You cannot go down 0-2 because that gives you a 12% chance, generally, of making the playoffs. So I think that they're going to focus more on getting Derrick Henry going and freeing up Julio Jones. That Seattle defense is good, but it's not scary. So I think the Titans have enough to keep up with them. Probably lose something like 30-27. to 27 but I think they will cover that five and a half. To recap, we're going to take the Panthers plus three. We're going to take the Dolphins plus three and a half. We're going to take the Steelers minus five and a half. We're going to take the Cardinals minus three and a half. And we're going to take the Broncos minus six. And bonus picks for your pleasure. We have the Chiefs minus three and a half and the Titans plus five and a half. And that is... Frozen Five this week for Unfair Sports. All right, so again, do your own research. I always encourage people, use use our picks as somewhat of a guide. You don't have to bet the mortgage on our picks. I mean, if you do, you'll most likely win money, but you don't have to do that. Just use our information in addition to the information you get for yourself or just wherever your intuition is leaning you. That's what I like to do when I do my research is have a general idea of what I like and then see what the research says. Sometimes it keeps me on my picks. Sometimes it moves me off of them onto others. But either way, put in the work yourself, and that way you have two-plus minds focusing on getting your money and winning your bets. Appreciate you listening to Unfair Frozen 5 Week 2 Best Bets. Um, Shout-outs to the production team, Mike, Bob, and Wendy. Shout-outs to Jay, my co-host, always bringing the fire on Mondays. Appreciate that. To the OSG, who's on weekly with fantasy advice to also win you money. That's all we try to do here. We try to entertain you. We try to give you the opinions in sports that will help you win your arguments at the barbershop. We try to win you money on bets. We try to win you money in fantasy. So that's what we do here. So shout-outs to the OSG. To all of our loyal listeners, we appreciate that. All of our YouTube subscribers, um, we, we post videos throughout the week 
on YouTube as well. So please check those out. Um, we usually have some content daily in some some way, shape, or form. And we're still on our usual podcast outlets, uh, Google Play, Spreaker, uh, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, anywhere, Spotify. We're on, we're on there too. We're everywhere. So anywhere that podcasts are bought, sold, and listened to, that's where we are. So with that, uh, be safe, love yourself, love somebody. Uh, wear a mask and socially distance when you can. We're still at war with the coronavirus. And with that, appreciate you listening. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.